Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, changemakers, and leaders from the business world. For today's episode, I'm certainly pleased to be joined by Neha Merchandani. She leads the people and marketing functions at BrightPlan, an HR tech company that specializes in total financial wellness. Neha was also recently featured in our Faces of HR profile, where we had a lovely conversation about her background and experiences. We'll have that link in this post on our website, so please be sure to check that out after this. Neha, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much, Bianca. I'm well, and um, thanks again for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So we're going to just dive right into it, shall we? Absolutely. Neha, tell me, what is your definition of having a seat at the table? I would say it's about having a voice that truly counts and the opportunity to influence, add value and make a difference. And, you know, when I when I think about your question, I feel like taking a step back, we've made some good progress over the years. And I think you would agree with that um, in driving change. But there's so much more we need to do to enable every individual's voice to be heard so that they feel um, they have the ability and the confidence to to speak up and be heard. And if you think specifically around uh, women, people of color, minority groups, mm-hmm. um, they have to work so much harder for their voices to be heard, especially mm-hmm. if you think about it in the context of decision making. And, and being in a position to truly influence and make a difference. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure you have experienced the same thing that I have where, you know, so many times, Bianca, I've been in meetings or in a virtual room and I look around and, and a lot of times I'm either the only woman or the only person of color mm-hmm. in that conversation. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, I have been in similar, similar. Oh, excuse me. I get excited and get tongue tied. I have been in similar situations. Uh, and while unfortunate, uh, like you say, there's so much more to do to drive change. And I, and I think we're in a space and time where we're now seeing change being driven on multiple levels, multiple levels. Excuse me. I, I don't know, Neha, if you, you've heard about this recently or or if you just already know, but I've been talking to a few different people uh, and guests on the show, and they've been bringing up what framing looks like and how important it is for HR professionals and organizations to basically have a um, change their mindset and shift the lens, if you will, of their perspective. Have you had any um, uh, any pulse on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I actually couldn't agree more with what you just said, Bianca, because I feel that when people talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, a lot of times people are trying to kind of scratch the surface. I mean, everybody's heart's in the right place. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Yes. But, you know, the first thing that we try to address is uh, diverse hiring practices, um, equal pay, and don't get me wrong, these things are incredibly important, yes. but we we really need to go much deeper. And, and, and I'm happy to see that a lot of companies are putting in place uh, DE&I initiatives and they're putting a focus in that. Mm-hmm. And I really think it has to be, um, uh, it, there has to be two different 
angles and approaches that companies take to this. One is really making it a C-suite, a board level agenda where there is that focus level. So it's kind of tops down. But to your earlier comment, what is more important almost is the grassroots level, which is the bottoms up, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, you you may have the right initiative in place, but if every employee doesn't treat every other employee on their team or their you know uh in me or within their immediate organization in in the right way with the right respect and and the right level of of inclusion then we are not going to move the needle um and so i think it is not just c-suite i think it is not just hr leaders i think this is really about um, diversity, inclusion, you know, training at a grassroots level. So every employee starts to, to shift their mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having, having expressed all that, and thank you for that beautifully said, how can HR leaders and organizations, and of course, it's not just them, uh, but that's the nugget here. How can they rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? Yeah, and, and, you know, I would go back to what I said earlier, and I think a different way to put it is we have to think more deeply about what true inclusion really means, right? So, again, going back to it's not just the obvious things. It's mm-hmm. the not so obvious things because yes. it's every action that we all take and being thoughtful about how those actions can impact every employee and vice versa, being attuned to um, diverse employee needs so that we're being inclusive and addressing. So the first step is, do you know what those needs are? Do you mm-hmm. feel like you're in, in tune with them? And mm-hmm. let's not treat everybody the same way because mm-hmm. everybody is not the same. So we have to understand the differences and the similarities, and then we have to take the right action so mm-hmm. that we can address those appropriately. And and I really think at the heart of it is culture. Mm-hmm. What does our culture look like? Mm-hmm. And are we truly fostering a culture of belonging where every individual feels safe and welcome? Mm-hmm. And so again, going back to what I talked about earlier, um, I think there there is definitely an effort that needs to be driven from the top down. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, at a board level, at a C-suite level, there is definitely things that we as HR leaders um, can can do and, and kind of drive this, again, from the tops down and from the bottoms up and ensuring that, that every employee understands. And, and this needs to be done in a very thoughtful way sensitive and authentic way. Mm. Um, And, you know, I I was reading the other day, Bianca, about how um, diverse and inclusive teams are not just, it's not just the right thing to do for the employee, but frankly, it's the right thing to do for business because diverse teams drive more innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, They bring different perspectives to the table and ideas to the table which obviously is going to move the business forward um, as well. And and we're going to have fewer blind spots. For example, are we building a product that is going to be um, whatever that product might be? Is it going to be applicable right across the board for 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 different employee populations? And we're going to have fewer blind spots, um, I would I would say there as well. 
The, the other thing I feel that sometimes people don't think necessarily about this, mm-hmm. but inclusion is also about well-being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, understanding what the challenges are mm-hmm. of, uh, of the various employee populations and making sure that you are addressing those, empowering them to be um, healthy, yeah. well, and mm-hmm. successful and to really thrive yep. uh, in the workplace is, is really important because it's going to drive more employee engagement. It's going to drive mm-hmm. more productivity. At the end of the day, it's going to drive business success. Absolutely. I am super uh, just geeking out over here that you said that you literally just you just answered two of my questions. I was going to um, ask you, but that's completely fine because uh, you literally hit it, uh, excuse me, hit the nail on the head when you talk about inclusion and how it's tied to well-being. Uh, you are absolutely right. When you talk about well-being, yes, having um, employees um who are happy, you know, and engaged, that's a productive workforce, right? Which means they're happy in their roles and doing their jobs and, uh, you know, whatever else they need to do for the company. Um, so I was going, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you think it takes in this climate, um, to cultivate and engage in productive work workforce? Uh, but you technically answered <laughs> anything else to say about that or, or a different avenue? You know, the, the one thing I, I would probably want to add to that is if you think about what the biggest challenge for, for us as HR leaders is today is attracting, engaging, and mm-hmm. retaining our yeah. people. And and um, I really think that the inclusion piece and that culture of belonging is core to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason being, you know, yes, People may leave for higher salaries and better benefits and and those things. But think about if you were in a workplace that truly made you feel like you belong, that Mm -hmm. your your voice counts and that you can make a difference, um, you're going to think twice before, you know, going somewhere else where you don't know, right? That it's kind of the unknown on the other side of the fence. And so... I really think we as HR leaders need to be thinking once again more deeply about a culture of belonging and fostering a culture of belonging and everything Mm -hmm. that goes into it because Mm -hmm. it is going to help us address one of our biggest challenges around attracting, uh, retaining and engaging and motivating our people. What do you see corporate culture headed? It's a great question and you know, as we all know, the the world of work that we live in has has dramatically changed and shifted over the past couple of years. And the future of work, you know, when people say the future of work, it's no longer in the future. It's happening today. And um, if we take a step back and think about what are the things that are in the mix that, you know, there's lots of things that, that the pandemic created that were truly detrimental to our well-being across the board, you Mm -hmm. know, burnout and all the things that we talk about. But, you know, if you think about the glass half full, there are some things that have transpired through the pandemic that Mm -hmm. have shifted in a positive way. So, you know, I'm a glass half full kind kind of person, (laughs) I would say, Bianca. Yeah. So, I, you know, one of the biggest things um, I think that has been a positive is flexibility, right? 
the the fact that um, you know I've worked for companies in the past where they expected me to be in the office five days a week, and then I worked for companies where they were okay with me working from home two days a week, and mm-hmm. then I've worked at you know companies such as Brightplan where from the get go we were pretty much a um, you know remote um, culture. So yeah. I, I, you know the biggest shifts I would say is that the the power is in the hands of the employee. And we're seeing the rise of the empowered employee. And and flexibility is key in that mix. And there is no going back to the way things were in the past. So I would say that's the first uh, piece. The second piece, I would say, is, you know, the bubbling up to the top of mission, purpose, and culture. Um, they've, They've They've been important, but they've become even more important, and mm-hmm. and they're really key to um, attracting top talent. And frankly, it's a prerequisite for for younger generations, right? And in particular, because they want to work for companies that are aligned with their beliefs and their values in mm-hmm. in life, and rightfully so. Life is short; we spend a lot of it at work, yes. <laughs> right? So. So we want to make sure that that um, we're doing that. So I would say that's the second piece. The, the third piece goes back to what you and I talked about earlier, which is inclusive workplace, um, fostering a culture of belonging. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And um, the point I made earlier, which is that tight connection between inclusion and well-being and engagement. And so culture of care that is really about putting the employee first right and thinking about if you think about you know what I just said Bianca with um, remote hybrid work environments and sort of this work-life integration that we're going through Mm -hmm. it's no longer the person that comes to work and then the person that's at home it's really this blended person right (laughs) and um us being able to fit our life into work and fitting work into our lives, right? That it's just the reality. And so we as as uh, people leaders really need to acknowledge that we have to care about the whole person, yes. the person at work, person at home, this blended mm-hmm. person, and not just about the person, but their family. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, so I think there is an extended definition of um, culture of care, which is about the whole person, the yeah. person and the family, mm-hmm. and then their total wellness is the other piece I would highlight there, which is in the world of the past we were focused really on people's physical well-being. Then yes. with the pandemic, we really started, you know, with burnout and, and mental stress at record uh, levels we started to think about mental health and emotional health and social well-being. And then think about what we're going through right now with inflation and market volatility and everything else where financial wellness has really bubbled up to the top. And and it is our job as employers to be supporting our employees with all of these various aspects in the right way. Absolutely. Wonderfully said. Beautifully said. Thank you for that. Neha, I have one more question for you. Uh, but before I get to that question, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or add? 
You know, the one thing I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention is um, kind of the evolution of the role of leaders mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how that has evolved and that continues to need to evolve mm-hmm. because, you know, we always need to be steady rocks and, and, and that is important for our, our teams and our organizations, but it is important to focus on what matters most, which is um, our people, our customers, and um, I was having this conversation with a with a HR peer of mine recently, and we were talking about we need to be strong for our people. And I said, yes, we do, but it's okay to be vulnerable, and it is important that we people can be their authentic selves at yes. work, and and we need to be relatable. And we need mm-hmm. to be human, right? So in this context, I feel like empathetic leadership matters really now more than ever before, right? And and um, in this remote and hybrid work environment, it's just so much harder for us to, to, to read signals, right, from yeah. our employees. And so we have to be alert. Um, and and it, there are challenges, don't get me wrong. And, and I truly worry about HR burnout, right? That's something that now is really starting to bubble up because we've had to be strong over the past couple of years and, mm-hmm. and shoulder a lot of the burden um, yes. of what's been going on to, to support our employees and our organizations. And, you know, a lot of times I, I tell um, I tell folks on my team, it's important for us as HR leaders to take the advice that we give our employees, right? Which is yeah. look, focus on your well-being, here are the things you should do to avoid burnout um, because we're only as good to our employees and our company as our well-being. So, you know, I, again, I think, yes, challenging times continue, even though, you know, the challenges evolve. Yes. Um, I think we will look back at this time, Bianca, and go, wow, that was a roller coaster. <laughs> but it was also a time when we had the opportunity to have real impact and make a meaningful difference in people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautifully said, Neha. Uh, So many wonderful bites and tidbits there. Empathetic leadership, leadership, excuse me, of course, we need that uh, vulnerability and empathy in the workplace today. You also, uh, you mentioned uh, about how you all should be a steady rock. Could you Could you expound on that a little bit, please? Yeah. So, you know, people, the traditional thought that people have about leaders is we have to be strong, right? We have Mm -hmm. to be strong for our organization. We have to be strong for our employees because our employees take signals from um, Mm -hmm. their leaders, right? And their managers in terms of if we look like we're flustered, if we look like, you know, we are having some challenges ourselves that, Employees are going to think are, are, that is um, that um, we're not portraying the right leadership qualities, right? And sometimes that's what goes on in our heads. But goes back to my point, I think these are new times we're living in that require new leadership mm-hmm. um, skill sets, right? And that goes back to the empathetic piece I talked about earlier. It's okay to be vulnerable. And to be honest with you, I cannot tell you how many times I have shared with my team what 
you know, of course you have to not, you know, boundaries, share everything. There is yeah. always boundaries, right? Yes. That we've got to have, mm-hmm. but it is okay to give them some insight into what is going on with you, mm-hmm. both at work and what, what keeps you up at night, you know, and it could be sharing your, your personal challenges, maybe again, boundaries um, yes. that you are challenged with as well. And I talk sometimes with my team about, gosh, you know, I have kids in college and like this week I had to move them out of the dorm and, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to like move some meetings around to do that. And, and I'm human too. I have a family too, right? I have kids too. And, and if we, if we put too much stress on ourselves that, you know, we can't do that. We can't share that with our team, then they're, they are going to feel like they can't be their authentic selves at work either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone should have the opportunity to come to work as their authentic selves. Absolutely. My final question for you, Neha, what's on your heart? You know, I I think it goes back to um, what I just referenced around leadership and HR skill sets and what is top of mind. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, can we stay ahead? Right. We need to stay two steps ahead. And that's what keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. And it's not just two steps ahead in terms of what the business needs, but it's really staying two steps ahead of what we need to do for our employees. Can mm-hmm. we anticipate? Can we stay close? Can we listen uh, intently? And mm-hmm. can we respond in kind? And mm-hmm. that is truly what keeps me up at night because the market, the workplace is evolving so rapidly. We are not done with that evolution by a long shot, right? So so I think agility, sensitivity, listening intently, and empathetic empathy. I would say those are some of the key things that are top of mind for me. That's amazing. Beautiful, uh, beautiful. Uh, all things that honestly we should, I think, and I'm just going to say it all have a uh, top of mind. Uh, but thank you so much, Neha. It's been such a pleasure uh, chatting with you here again today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Bianca. Absolutely. Absolutely. To our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you.